On today's show, have you ever felt like you don't know where you're going with your business? It can be debilitating and frustrating, and not only that, it can leave you spinning your wheels and wishing you knew what to do next to finally get some traction. And that's exactly the situation that we find Bernadette in. She calls in today from New Zealand with questions about how to sort of restart her business and build something she can actually get excited about. It's one of the most raw and personal sessions we've had to date, which leads us to some real breakthroughs for Bernadette's business. It's a fun brainstorming session you'll want to stick around for this episode of Freelance to Founder. Here we go. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston Lee from Milo.co and my good friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com, who normally joins us on these calls, is uh, out today. As many of you know, Clay has a beautiful new baby at home, and so we try to give him a little bit of time off every once in a while so that he can, uh, you know, catch an extra nap or uh, just be home with his family. So. Uh, we're going to miss Clay today, but joining me on the air is my new friend, uh, Tyler Gillespie. Hey, Tyler, how's it going? It's going great, man. Thanks for having me on. 
Yeah, of course. Excited to have you here. We're going to chat about, uh, for the listeners, productizing your freelance services today or adding a, a productized sort of uh, offering maybe to your freelance business and the power of that in terms of the revenue it can bring in. We have a lot of people calling in, you know, asking how to systematize their processes. I think I think there's going to be a lot to talk about there. So before we dive into really how the listeners can do that, why don't you give us just a little bit of background on who you are, Tyler, and, and maybe <laughs> give the listeners an excuse to stick around for the next 30 minutes or so as we dive in. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to, man. Yeah, and I think what I'm excited about is, um, yeah, sharing some good ideas around, especially, I mean, the power of productizing for freelancers and how they can apply that to their business um, as well. I know we're going to jam on um, a new productized service um, that I'm working on starting. So I'm actually applying a lot of these principles that I think we're going to be going over, which is always um, fun. Uh, but to give you yeah, background, I'm originally from Colorado. Um, grew up you know, in the mountains there. Uh, really involved in more retail and, and face-to-face service businesses. Um, so that's kind of where I got my start, you know, starting a window cleaning business actually when I was, you know, just out of high school, um, involved in property management. Um, and then when I discovered, you know, the whole online world, I was like, wow, I can do this and travel and be anywhere. So, um, you know, my spark and love for travel kind of kicked in. And that's when I started traveling to different countries, whether it be Mexico, Europe. And now actually, I don't even know if you knew, but I'm actually in Medellin, Colombia. Um, I did so South that. America. Yeah. So I split the time between here and uh, um, uh, the mountains of Colorado. So um, it's, it's kind that. of a cool setup. Yeah. Very nice. I know, uh, you know, this is, this is definitely like one of the reasons you figure out how to productize something. You know, a lot of freelancers feel tied to their local area or, or, or stuck at their desk, you know, handling clients day in and day out and, and like setting up some systems where you're productizing your service as opposed to, you know, working in your business all the time, providing that service that can really free up, you know, not, it's not just the internet that's freeing that up, right? It's, it's how we're using the internet to do the kind of work that we're doing that can really free you up for, like you said, travel or living remotely or uh, just tons more flexibility. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, good man. Tell us, tell us a little bit about um, maybe some of the the pro- experience you've had in building productized services, um, what you've worked on in the past, uh, what you're working on now a little bit, and then we'll dive into how the listeners can follow your lead. Yeah, man. So you know, like probably a very relatable story. You know, when I first started was um, traditional. You know, freelancing. You know, I started out with doing copywriting, email marketing, content creation, and ended up starting just, you know, by chance and you kind of go from freelancing. And then as you get more and more clients, you end up kind of starting a mini agency and that just kind of ballooned into more of a full agency. And I really quickly found out that, um, especially if you're, you're somewhat good at sales, um, it's really easy to sell, um, you know, certain things, um, especially when you give the customer everything and anything they want. And then very hard to actually fulfill on it afterwards, mm, um, mm-hmm. especially when everything that you're selling is different. Um, so I quickly fell into that trap, um, and you know realized it was not sustainable. And you know started you know I think it was the third time I read um, "Built to Sell." I don't know if you've read that book, but 
a great book by John Warlow, and he talks essentially the book is really a lot about productizing, but you know, creating mm. systems, selling on outcomes, um, you know, selling one specific thing. And after that third read, I was like, all right, let's just we have to redesign the entire business. Um, so that was really the catalyst was traditional agency, realizing that was not where I wanted to go. And then, you know, really working on productizing and, and stripping away everything that um, wasn't one specific thing. And we decided to focus on um, content writing. Um, so that was kind of our bread and butter um, that we did for about five years before selling, actually selling that business. So, um, and that company was called contentpros.io. It's still around, actually. They're still going strong. Yeah, it's a strong brand. And you were telling me you had something like 125 writers at one point. Uh, you had so much work and, and revenue to back it up. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, scaled. We had a huge team of writers, um, a great core team. And really, the whole business was built. That was like my early, early days, you know, traveling to Medellin, Colombia. Um, we launched, really launched that business, you know, in a cafe here. And so that was really fun. Tested the limits of, you know, working remotely, building mm-hmm, a remote yeah. team. Uh, so that so that was pretty cool. Yeah, very exciting. I love that. Well, let's let's uh, let's get started here for the listeners. Then let's talk a little bit about you know they're they're listening to Tyler's story. They're they're hearing like you know maybe maybe they're stuck in this in this phase of like just saying yes to everything. Which you know I think I think many freelancers I went through that. I think a lot of us go through that in the early days. It's like you just say yes to everything because you got to put food on the table. Um, but but at some point, like you said, it's not sustainable. It's not scalable. You'll burn out personally. You can't. It's hard to build a business on the back of it. Of course, agencies, you know, sort of operate that way. But if you ask a lot of people working at agencies, they're often burned out. Uh, they often have crazy deadlines to hit and just work long hours. Yeah. And so you know, it's it, in some ways, and at least particularly what we believe in at Milo and on this show. You know that sort of lifestyle is not sustainable, and so and certainly isn't sustainable if you want to be traveling or if you want to be living somewhere else in the world for half the year or whatever. And so, I guess you know listeners are, are listening in. They're, they're they're saying Tyler has has gotten out of that. <laughs> I guess that uh, yeah yeah that hole that maybe a lot of us dig ourselves into. And he built this cool thing, and he's built various cool things that that maybe didn't require such. Uh, <laughs> numbing dedication and so many long hours. What would be maybe the first step you would say a freelancer should be looking at if they find themselves in that former situation and wanting to begin to climb out of it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to to unpack, and I think um, some of the first places where you know, because you know, where I work with people sometimes that are looking to transition and you know, productize kind of what they're doing, whether it's going from a freelance or a consultancy type of model or even a, a more larger agency. Um, and I think one of the big things to kind of wrap your head around is, you know, selling on outcomes and not selling hourly. Um, mm. I think that, that's a big one. Because um, at the end of the day, your customers want to buy something that they know you're confident at charging a fixed rate because you've done it so many times. Mm. Um, and that's part of productizing, right? Like I define it as a service offering that is packaged with a set price, a clear picture of what you get, a clear value proposition, set deliverables, defined scope, and all delivered within, um, let's say, a set timeline. Um, so typically, that is not how most agencies, freelancers, and consultants um, position what they do. It's usually 
um, more of an hourly th- um, type of arrangement, or it's a bespoke um, offering that's completely customized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's usually the first part where if you really just sit down and um, you just kind of create some more constraints around what you're doing and what you're offering. Um, you know, I use the example, and there's a lot of great examples we can dive into of specific productized services, but one that is very relatable is, you know, buying something on Amazon. How could you position your service offering um, so you, it's actually sold similar to a product? You go on Amazon, it's, you know, f- you know everything I mentioned, the fixed price, it's packaged, it's very clear what you get. Um, you know, the value is, 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 you know, very clear, the defined scope, and you know exactly when you're going to get it. Um, and the more you can move towards that, you know, I believe with selling your services, um, the more success you're going to have at actually, you know, scaling that mm-hmm. specific uh, service offering. Yeah, I, I guess you know, I love that you brought this up because I, I guess maybe you know, for some listeners, we're even we're even maybe jumping the gun here and saying like you you probably know what productizing your service means, but there might be listeners out there there probably are who are who are saying like I've heard this word thrown around productizing. But I don't yeah. really understand like what it actually looks like in practice. So maybe Tyler, could you give us like a concrete example of since we're talking about content writing from your your former business, let's stick with that for just a minute. So okay. let, let's say what's what's the difference in my if I'm a freelance writer and I write content for companies, uh, how might my current pricing and business model and offering look different than if I started to productize an offering for my customers? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of freelancers, like I mentioned, maybe even charged by the hour. Um, right. You know, or, you know, they may have even taken a, a further step and maybe they charge by the word, which is also very common. Um, yeah. So, that is like on the way to productizing, but you might charge by the hour, maybe charge $30 an hour to write, you know, content for a company. Um, the customer doesn't actually know, like, is this going to take one hour, two hours? You might quote them a right. couple hours, but the end invoice they're going to get is going to be completely, you know, in most cases, somewhat of a surprise. It's not, um, you know, fixed cost. Um, so that is, that is kind of the, the normal for um, typical, let's say, just content writers um, in, in that industry. So on the flip side, if you were going to productize it, you know, like I mentioned, you going towards a, a fixed rate per word is a great first step. Um, but instead of saying, "Hey, I'm a content writer. I charge you know thirty dollars an hour to write content. I can do blog posts, etc." Versus, let's say, "Hey, you know, I charge you know one hundred twenty dollars for a thousand word article, and it's delivered uh, once you give me the to fill out this brief. It would be delivered in seven days." Um, so that would be like a more concrete example of like yeah. the difference between the two. Um, and you can tell like, oh, wow, that's very clear. I know what I'm getting. I know what the cost is. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the advantage of, of productizing. I actually love that you bring that up because sometimes I personally equate productizing also to like recurring revenue, which I think can often go hand in hand, right? It's like, yep. you spend, you know, $500 a month and you'll get two articles every month. A uh, thousand words, you'll get them before the fifteenth of the month or whatever. Like you can set up these parameters, and then it productizing is like a great uh, springboard into recurring revenue, um, which we've talked about ad nauseum on the show. Where you know recurring revenue is is really the springboard to predictability and scalability in your business. But yes. um, but I think I love that you brought this up because it it actually 
they aren't, they don't go hand in hand, even though sometimes I talk about them that way or even think about them that way. You can actually productize and still just have one-off product offerings, right? And so yep. like we see this and I know sometimes it gets a bad rap. I actually think they're doing some really cool things in the space, but we see this on Fiverr, right? Instead of putting up that you charge however much per word or however much per hour, you can put on Fiverr that you'll charge $500 for an article and and here's what it comes with and maybe it's optimized yep. for search and, and maybe it has so many words and whatever. Um, but you put up your what they call a gig. You just put up your gig for a certain price and then customers can just choose, do I want to pay this price for what he's offering or... Or not? Like it's there's no like there's no proposal. There's no back and forth. It's just like here's what I'm offering. Take it or leave it, and the client takes it or leaves it, right? And so I I think um you know looking at it that way, I, I maybe sometimes I maybe sometimes make it a little more convoluted than it should be uh, by adding in the recurring revenue piece. Really, productizing is just putting something at a static price for sale that you're going to deliver to a client. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the recurring revenue is the cherry on top. I think that's yeah. a lot of what you want to do. You want to find, and some services honestly lend themselves um, to a recurring model and some don't. Um, right. And I think you have to kind of, you know, see kind of what your service offering um, actually is. Um, because, for example, like I know we're going to talk about um, this new company I'm working on right now called Tiny Proof. Um, and it essentially, we interview your best customers and turn it into a variety of, of content assets, um, like case studies, video clips, etc. But, you know, this is a good example of this might not be something someone wants to subscribe to monthly. Yeah. Um, do you need a case study every single month? Um, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, so this model might lend itself more to um, a volume or bundle type of offer where you buy, you know, five, six plus you know, proof packs is what we call them. And then you can use those as you wish. Um, I'm going to experiment with a quarterly subscription um, just because I do love the subscription model. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to unpack there because I think you know, defaulting... Um, you obviously want to have a recurring model. Um, but I think one key too is because I know a lot of people that have a recurring model and are recurring productized services and their customers only stay two or three months. Right. I'm like, right. That's exactly. not that's not really MRR, you know, as much yeah. as you want it. You know, there's other things you have to fix there. Um, so I think um looking at that too is is something else to consider. Yeah, and just and just that, you know, the kind of work that you provide and the kind of work that that gets you excited to wake up in the morning might not lend itself to recurring revenue. Yep. Like if you're a logo designer, I see this all the time. I we have logo designers, you know, in our Facebook group or whatever, which by the way, we'll link up in our show notes. I'm not sure we even talked on this show much about our Facebook group, but we'll have logo designers come in and and say, like, I want to set up a recurring revenue model. And I'm like, well, that's great, but you know, how often how often does one company need their logo redesigned or like need a new brand asset or something? Like you're gonna have to add some kind of service that lends itself to recurring revenue. Yep. Um, otherwise, just get really good at like selling a a product as a bundle, at productizing your service. If we talk about a logo designer, you have maybe a couple different options, or or like you're saying, Tyler, you have just one thing that you offer, and it's like we offer a logo design package, and it's ten thousand dollars, and here's what it comes with, and here's the experience that we have. Uh, take it or leave it. That's what it costs. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I think it's important to like this continue to to draw a dis- line of distinction between. 
those two things. I want to I want to come back to this this new company that you brought up, uh, which I think is a really cool concept. Um, your this is a great example of like you said something that maybe doesn't lend itself to recurring as much. Where did where did the idea for this company come from, and and what's happening on the very early stages? Because I think that's going to be helpful for freelancers who might be saying like, yeah, I'm ready to try out this product price thing, but what do you do in the early days? Yeah, no, great question. So um, I think the first thing is yeah, I've always loved like proof, um, customer proof, social proof. Yeah, um, previous company and. You know things I've tried to implement in, in other companies as well is, um, you know, obviously video testimonials, case studies. These are like really high value mm-hmm. um, assets, but oftentimes like pushed to the bottom of the to do list or are somewhat hard um, to actually execute and capture consistently um, and vital, especially if you're new or you're a freelancer or anything like that. Proof, you know, creates credibility, which then can help. Convince future prospects to to purchase from you, um, or close your your or shorten your sales cycle greatly. Um, so I think that's something I really love. And I honestly like you know during my consulting and um, side of things, this was a huge thing that added you know a lot of value to a lot of the people that I worked with. Um, and I love doing customer interviews. So it's kind of stemmed from there. You know, I was like, okay, well, you know, what can we do like? Customer interview as the first domino, and then from that you can literally create and repurpose so many great assets, um, content assets from that. Um, so that's kind of was the idea, um, and then you know I took that idea and, and uh, I mean this was only about a month ago um, uh, that I launched it, um, and I can walk you through kind of the first steps I took that um, I recommend um, for anyone that's looking to. Build momentum, get market validation, and launch something. Um, you know, I can walk through some of those steps too. Yeah, I think that's perfect. In fact, let's take a quick break uh, for a message from our sponsors. After that, Tyler, I'd love for you to walk us through. You know what it looks like if okay, let's say let's stick with this logo designer idea. We've you know we've talked about writers. Let's talk about logo designers now. So so yep. you know I'm I'm a logo designer, and I've so far been charging maybe by the project and it, and. Custom proposals every time, but I want to productize my service. I want to just make one simple offering clients can say yes or no to. Um, you know, how do I start defining what that product looks like, and then how do I pitch that to new potential clients? So when we get back from the quick break here, Tyler's going to hopefully <laughs> answer those questions for us. I'm throwing him a, a curveball here, but I want to I want to explore like how can we identify how to build a, a product, a package. And then how can we pitch that to clients? We'll be right back. We get people coming on the show all the time, and here's what they say. I know you guys preach the importance of hiring, but where do I even start in order to hire the right person? Well, here's your answer. Start with LinkedIn Jobs. I've used LinkedIn to hire members of my team, and here's why you should too. First of all, it's super fast. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Imagine this time tomorrow, you could be interviewing your next team member. Plus, LinkedIn isn't just a job board, it helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Over 70% of active LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not hiring on LinkedIn, you're really missing out. My favorite part, posting a job 
on LinkedIn is completely free. Like I said, I've done it myself and it took like 10 minutes. It didn't cost me a thing. And suddenly I had tons of qualified applicants to pick from. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome back to Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee uh, from Milo.co. I'm here with my friend Tyler, uh, who's chatting with us about productizing your freelance services. It's been an interesting conversation so far, just talking about the difference between you know productization versus service offering versus recurring revenue. Um, and now we're going to really dive into like how can I get started if I'm. We we took the example before the break. You know, if I'm a logo designer and I want to build just a product clients can say yes or no to. I'm tired of sending custom proposals. I'm tired of all the work that goes into that just to get a no back from the client. How, you know, how do I start beginning to think about what my product could look like? And then after that, we're going to chat about how do I then pitch that product to future clients. Tyler, let's start with how do I decide what my product is going to actually be? Yeah, so I mean kind of playing off the the logo designer um Example, um, I think uh, that's a great one to start with. And I, and you know, assuming you know this this situation, you've been doing logo design for many years, and maybe you charge um, whether you kind of mentioned like ten thousand dollars for a logo, or maybe you charge you know you know a, an hourly rate to work on logos. Um, the first thing you want to do is actually um, you know position it more more like a product. Um, and you know, ten thousand dollars a logo. You know, obviously defining who you want to kind of go after. Maybe it is more enterprise, bigger companies, um, but you want to have a very fixed outcome. So, what are they going to actually get? Um, so, starting to think about that. You know, is it just one logo that you're going to deliver, and how many revisions might come with that logo? Um, as well, you want to have a fixed price. Um, so, you know, to your example, maybe it is ten thousand dollars, and you will get you know three variations. Of a logo with X number of revisions, um, and it would be delivered within, you know, let's say 14 days after payment. Um, so essentially, we're just kind of trying to put it more in that product box um, and position it more where, you know, imagining whether you want to sell it online like it's positioned and you're selling it on Amazon or not, what would it look like and what would it need to have for someone to actually just buy this specific logo package? Off your website, mm. um, so I think that's like some of the first things you can start thinking about. Um, you gave a great example of Fiverr earlier, um, and I think for any inspiration, um, that's actually a great place to just go to and see because yeah. I think they've done just a great job. And essentially, it's a productized service marketplace. Um, and when they first launched, you know, I don't think people realized kind of that's what it was, but they've just they've done a great job at packaging up services. Just like uh, products, mm-hmm. um, and I and I was talking to a friend actually this was a few years ago. I'm like, man, they're going to eat Upwork's lunch. Um, <laughs> and Fiverr kept growing and growing, and then what ended up happening was Upwork actually copied Fiverr, and they've launched. I think it was just earlier this last year, Upwork mm-hmm. Projects. Um, so that's also a great place, and you can go Upwork Projects, and you can see all these fixed price services. Um, and they've built their own productized service marketplace as well. But between right. those two, um, those are great places just to go. Like if you're a logo designer, content writer, um, whatever it is you do as a freelancer, go there, type in what you do, and you can actually see some really good examples of how other people are packaging up 
um, their services and, and what, what they're including in those as well. Yeah, I, I love that idea. And you could even go to those kinds of marketplaces and you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean you have to charge as little as some people are charging there, but what you can take notice of is like the top sellers. You can filter by top sellers, you can see yep. you know who who's really thriving uh, on these on these platforms. And you can see here's what they're charging, here's what they're offering for what they're charging. You might be able to charge a little bit more than that if you add like a more personal touch or if you work with local clients. Like obviously there's lots of elements to that, but um but it, it can definitely give you a nice finger on the pulse of like how much can I charge for a certain product that I'm that I might be offering. So I love that idea. Great recommendation. Yeah, no, that's a cool place to start just to if anything, just get a ton of inspiration and ideas. Um, so that's that's a great um, first step. Yeah, we'll be sure to link to Upwork projects and uh, and Fiverr obviously as well in the show notes um, in the description in your podcast player, so that you can go ahead and re- do a little research there as you come up with your own productized ideas. So okay, so so we've got we've got maybe a a, a product uh, idea, right? We've got a service that we're offering as a product. How do we start pitching that to new clients? We're used to sending proposals. We're used to I don't know going back and forth <laughs> with with them on. What they want, what you can offer, what the price is, etc. How do we start yes. to cut a lot of that out and really, really pitch new clients on this product? Yeah, so I think like one thing that I really um, like to do. Um, there's a couple first steps, and same steps I'm taking right now with Tiny Proof is um, there's two concepts that I or kind of frameworks that I like to work with. And one is called the what I call kind of the productized beta growth hack, um, which is a great first step. Um, and then the other one is called the five ones, which you may have heard from a guy who used to run lead pages, Clay Collins. Um, so let's start with the beta growth hack and then we can jump into the five Great. ones. Um, right. So on the beta growth hack, essentially, yeah, when you're launching the service, um, one of the things is you probably lack proof, you know, um, and social proof and credibility mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, you lack, um, you know, straining and testing the potential systems as well. You lack feedback from the market um, as far as pricing, etc. So, what this typically does, and why I like it so much, is um, you're essentially going to um, offer, let's say, logo design in this case. Um, and um, what you want to do is, you know, find three people um, that you can offer this to at what we call like a beta. Offer pricing. Um, typically, okay. I like yeah. to price it for seventy percent off, um, which should be the exact price of what your cogs are to execute that service. Um, so that's kind of where I keep top of mind. I like to try to keep you know, if you're in the sixty to seventy percent gross profit margin, um, that's a great place. So essentially, you're offering the service at a great discount, but also at your cost. Yeah, so it's so a you're great not losing win-win. money to learn. Well, yeah, when you say cogs, just for listeners, we're talking cost of goods sold. So, you know, in, in a service business, that would be like if you have to hire any subcontractors, if there's any technology to make it work, all the costs of of making that service happen, you're basically selling it at cost. You're not making any money. But but I, I'm about I'm I'm <laughs> I'm foreshadowing here. What you what you get out of that is far more worth far more than one or two projects at you know your 60 or 70 percent profit margin. Because you're going to leverage those later down the road. Exactly. So kind of roping back in that logo example, you charge $10,000 for this logo. Um, let's say you were able to bring on a really, really good designer to execute 
that logo if you're not doing it for three thousand. Um, so at that you know seventy percent or thirty percent of what you're charging, um, so that's what you would be offering your logo um, beta offer um, as. Um, and in exchange for this, kind of what you were alluding to, um, what I do is cool. In exchange for this discount, um, my ask is that you'll give us uh, a video testimonial or case study. Um, you'll also give us feedback on our processes. Um, and uh, this is a special one that I kind of threw in that works really well is you'll warm email intro us to three colleagues that you think could benefit from um, getting a new logo or logo mm, design as well. I like that. Um, so what this does is at the end of this beta growth hack with three customers, you have three video testimonials. So you've stacked some very substantial social proof for yourself. Um, so you're creating momentum. You've gotten feedback on all your processes. Um, and hopefully, you know, have hired a team of people to execute um, and leverage that cash to pay your cogs. Um, and then, as well, you've got nine leads um, or nine warm introductions to people um, that could be potentially new customers um, that you've just been warm intro to. So um, that's a great way to build momentum. Um, you know, with any new service or offering, whether you're starting mm. from scratch or you're rolling out a new service for your current agency. Um, I think that works really, really well, um, and something that you know I'm actually, like I said, doing currently for Tiny Proof. I love that. Uh, you know, I think that it does a couple other things too, and that is you can start to you can start to feel uh, how the clients feel about the price. So, like, exactly. you know, again, sticking to this ten thousand dollar logo logo product uh, example, if you if you go to potential clients and you say, "I can do it for three thousand, uh, which is you know seventy percent off." And they come back and say that's still too much. Well, then you've got a problem yep. on your hands, right? <laughs> because you're never going to be able to charge. At least not that particular. You might have the wrong audience. You might have the wrong. I don't know. You might be finding them in the wrong place or whatever. So I'm not saying you can't charge more. But but if they come back and say we can't do it for three thousand, they're never going to come back and say we can do it for ten. And so that's a, it's a great opportunity to sort of feel out your pricing as well uh, and, and potentially adjust that in the future. What I also love is, uh, this, this particular model forces you also to really deliver, <laughs> right? Uh, yep. if you know that you're getting, you're, you're getting a video testimonial and you're getting referrals from this potential client, then you're going to do your best work possible, right? Because you want that testimonial to really shine. If it's one of three that you get, like you really want it to stand out and be nice, and you really want those referrals to matter uh, because those are going to be the next step in, in the growth of your business. And so, you, you know, you really got to get it right on those. Yes, you'll learn a lot. And yes, you can adapt and adjust later. And, and you shouldn't be paralyzed by saying like, I don't have it right yet. I can't find my first few customers. But boy, if you can get those first ones right and really deliver, that can just pay off huge dividends down the road. Exactly. And I, I love what you brought up as well. Because I mean, with the beta... Um, kind of process that we're talking about, it's going to give you the perfect market validation, like you said. Because mm, yeah. if you if you don't have people, you know, ju- jumping uh, to take you up on this discount um, yeah. at the current price, that's going to tell you and give you some actually really good market feedback either on your offer, the price, whether it's too high, too low, or you're you're um, going after maybe the wrong market. Um, yeah. So that that will help too, and that's a whole thing and. In its own, that is just, I mean, very hard to dial in. But um, once you have that, then 
uh, you know, this can work really, really well. I love that. You mentioned another strategy as well. Once you're past uh, this initial beta strategy, um, can you dive into that for us a little bit? I think it was called like the five ones or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So five ones, um, I kind of molded a little bit of it and I call it kind of the productized focus wheel. I think a big part of, you know, <laughs> launching and running with um, a certain business or offer is um, staying in your lane, putting those horse blinders on and saying no. Um, and really, that's kind of what um, this does. So um, once you've done your beta growth hack, you've, let's say you've gotten some really good feedback, testimonials, um, you've gotten some referrals coming in, you've confirmed like we talk about, cool, our pricing is actually a little bit more dialed now and our margins are there. Um, at least um, you've gotten all that feedback. Is What I try to do is um, really focus on one niche. Um, so that's the first of the one, five ones. Is just really focusing on one niche. Don't go too broad. Um, you know, pick one niche. If you're doing logo designs for, let's say, e-commerce brands, um, you know, focus on that. Um, focus on one product. Um, just do logo designs, um, at least initially, um, and then one funnel, one traffic source, and then what I like to call one sprint. Um, and the sprint, let's say, for example, is 90 days. Um, you know, and the reason I say 90 days to start is so you can get some really good market feedback, um, you know, and dial in um, the rest of the five ones. And then once those are confirmed, then usually that's for one year um, and mm. taking that one product um, to at least, you know, some people might even argue to a million dollars. But I think what happens is a lot of people um, dilute themselves and dilute their energy mm. um, and try to have multiple products, mul- multiple funnels. They're trying too many different traffic sources. Um, so I think this is just kind of a cool exercise to just um, rein in your focus and just allocate energy um, more efficiently. So um, it's, a, it's kind of a nice exercise to run through. Yeah, I think that's perfect, actually. I, you know, this, this reminds me a lot of my, an attempt I made in early days to build a productized service. And, and I, I did chase like multiple... Because you're just you're just hungry, right? You just you want to yeah. you want to go out and find whatever business you can. And so I I I do think I ultimately ended up selling that business. Um, it it was never huge under my. It still isn't really. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure it's running anymore. But anyway, um, but while you know, I'm I'm a marketer by trade, and so like I was very familiar with all the different marketing channels we could use, and and that actually I think worked to my detriment because. I was like, well, we could do partnerships and affiliates, and we can do, uh, yeah. you know, Facebook ads, and like, like it was all these different things that I was just spreading myself way too thin. On top of it, it was like a side project of my core business that I was doing, and which I think a lot of freelancers listening in this might be something they try on the side, right? They they still have regular clients, traditional proposals, all this work that they have going on that they've booked out for the next few months, and they might want to try this on the side, and so. You have to be careful, like not to burn yourself out and not to spread yourself too thin. Because you're right it it doesn't it doesn't add up to a ton of success, really. Yeah, and I think as well, like if you are freelancing and doing a lot of different things, I think just auditing kind of where you're at, I think is always a good step. And like what I did with mm, our agency, yeah. it was how did we arrive at blog posts and these this 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 offer. And it was because, you know, we looked at, cool, we were doing marketing funnels, we were doing email marketing, um, we were doing autoresponders, we were doing websites. And it was like looking at all of those and 
you know, I kind of just, we were asked the questions, cool, like what do customers need like somewhat consistently? What do we enjoy doing? What provided like the least headaches? Um, what can we, you know, find really good contractors and, and a team to build around and outsource some of the work to? So there were some of these filters that kind of took place. And as a freelancer, you probably know, you know, answers to some of those questions. And that can kind of help you move closer to testing, you know, this new productized offer that you maybe want yeah. to do. I Something you said sparked a, a, a question in my mind, and that is, you know, how, how do you balance doing the work yourself versus finding a team to, to offer the service? Like, you, you know, you're saying you, you found writers and you basically built the systems and the processes. I don't know if you're a writer, Tyler, um, but, but you basically built a team of, of other people to, to actually execute the product that you had come up with. And so the, the question for me is like, if I'm, you know, if I'm a writer and I love writing... Yep. I understand that I also have to be an entrepreneur. We talk about that on the show all the time where it's like, well, you might have to give up some of this creative work in order to grow your business or you just need to be satisfied, you know, sort of staying small and just being a one or two person shop and you can do most of the creative work, but you probably can't really scale your business in a big way. I guess, uh, what kind of questions should freelancers be asking themselves in, in terms of like, you know, should I pivot and become really the systems operations person, or should I stay involved in the in the service that I'm offering? I think that's something a lot of freelancers are going to ask. And we'll take a quick break before I have you answer that, Tyler. Um, so you can have a minute or two to think about it here. But uh, when we get back from this quick break, a message from our sponsors, then uh, Tyler's going to going to do his best to answer that question for us. I I personally don't know that I have an answer, so I'm going to take a second too and see what I can come up with. And I'm sure Tyler <laughs> will have a much better answer than me. Anyway, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. All right, welcome back to Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee, and we've been chatting with Tyler Gillespie about productizing your freelance service. The, one of the big questions that came to mind for me is, is how do I know if I should hire people to execute on the product that I've created? You know, do I hire writers to write and logo designers to design logos? Or, and, do I, and then I run the business and, and make the sales? Or do I uh, still participate in the, in the creative work and the, the actual product that I'm selling people? And Tyler, what does your gut say? Yeah, well, I think you kind of alluded to, I mean, one of the first things is, what are you trying to optimize for? So that would be my first question. Um, Because if you just want, you know, you just, you love writing, you want to do writing, or you love designing logos, kind of continuing on that example, you don't want to outsource any of the work, um, then that's one thing. But if you want to, you know, continue to push yourself and build a business that's bigger than yourself, um, you're going to have to eventually hire people. So that's why this, you know, kind of piggybacking on the beta growth hack is so powerful. It's something you all should be thinking about right now is, you know, that 70% rule, right? Um, or that can you hire someone to do what you're charging for for 30% of what you're charging? Um, that's always a great question. Whether you're doing it yourself right now, you always want to be building in some of those margins as soon as possible. Because um, eventually, if you do want to grow beyond yourself, you're going to have to hire someone to come in. And a lot of times, if you're not thinking about those margins and you're okay with just doing all the work yourself, then what happens is you're not going to have any um, room to actually pay anyone to do anything else with, when you want to get to that point. Um, so that's something so, so to do you think, think about. 
do you think a freelancer should already have subcontractors working for them before they try to dive into productization? Or or do you think they can pull it off with just them and then scale it up and then hire? Like what what order do you think that comes in? It feels kind of like a chicken and egg situation. Yeah, no, I think you can do both. You can be a freelancer, do all the work and productize your offer. Um, I think that's definitely one route. Um, I think the route I took, I think kind of there's this framework I have called the CMR framework. And you have your customer plus the mechanism equals the result. The mechanism in the business is the cogs of what you do. And the sooner you can outsource that, um, you know, the sooner you can focus on customers and results. Um, and that really helps you scale the business. For example, the content writing business I had before, um, you know, I think I had the benefit of not being a content writer. Um, I found the pain in the market and the mechanism was the actual writing. Um, but from the very first um, order we received to the very last one, meaning I never actually wrote one piece of content for that business until we sold it, um, you know, we were able to find really talented writers to step in and actually um, write all the content. Now, I know not everyone is in that position. Um, and I, that allowed me to focus on sales and systems and providing, mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. the actual business. And I think people arrive at that kind of journey at different stages. Um, so there's no wrong or right, right way. But the faster you can um, outsource the mechanism, you know, in my mind, the, the, the faster you're going to be able to actually grow the business bigger than yourself. So yeah. I think that's yeah. kind of everyone has a different appetite on, you know, risk and how soon they want to outsource certain things, especially if that's your bread and butter and, you know, you can get very attached to the doing of, um, certain things. So I think that's just something each person will have to kind of decide at you know, the right time is. And that really is a challenge. We've actually had guests on the show or, or write into the blog and, and say uh, that they aren't going to be able to find someone who can do what they do as well as they do it. Like if they're a writer, yeah. I'm never going to find a writer that's as good as me. Or if I'm a logo designer, I'm never going to find a designer that's as talented as I am. And it's like, really? You, you're, you're the best writer in the world, in the whole world. <laughs> There's exactly. no one that can do it as well as you can do it. And it's like you step back and look at it from that sort of frank, blunt point of view. And it's like, well, yeah, no, of course I could find someone. Now, they might be more expensive if I'm more picky about how the work gets done. But, but then they also deliver a higher quality product. You can charge more for that. So I, I think it's just, it, it is very easy as a creative person, particularly to say like, no one can do Absolutely. it like I do it. And, and that is true to an extent. You are unique and you, you offer a unique uh, perspective to things and no one will be able to do it exactly like you would do it. But... You also, as if you're going to scale a business, you have to you have to let other creative minds help you deliver what you want to deliver to your clients. And there Absolutely. are people as talented or more talented than you. And that's what I've found as I've hired people is like, you know, at first I thought, well, only I could do this really the right way. And then I hire people and they find a way better way to do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. and I'm like, oh, I should have hired you a long time ago because you have found a much more successful way to do this. It cuts down on costs. It increases customer satisfaction. And um, and really, they just do it better than me. So, you know, there, there's some fear there, but I think uh, understanding that there are millions and millions of talented people out there in the world that you can partner up with and really do some cool work, I think that can be helpful. Yeah, no, I think that just, I mean, 
audit your goals and then, you know, push yourself too. I think part of it is, you know, whether it's ego, fear, um, I think test and try to, you know, get yourself out of the mechanism, like I mentioned, as quickly as possible. And mm. um, oftentimes um, that can be a very rewarding process I've found. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Tyler, this has been uh, interesting and eye-opening for me and hopefully for our listeners as well. Maybe you can tell people where they can find you, uh, how they can reach you, where they can learn more about you. Yeah, definitely. So um, I actually put together a guide that could be interesting that we didn't dive too much in, but I kind of it's been around some of the top biggest upsides of productizing and then also the downsides of productizing. If you guys want to hear more details there and Really, I create a lot of content around this kind of topic at productized.services. Um, and then if you want to see me actually applying a lot of it, um, we alluded to kind of the business new productized service I'm launching called Tiny Proof. And you can check that out at just tinyproof.co. That's perfect. And we will be sure to link to all that stuff in your show notes. So right there in your podcast player, you can just open up the show description and link to all of Tyler's stuff, including that guide. Uh, if you want to download that and get access to that as well, we will have a link to all of that stuff so that you can continue uh, investigating how to productize your freelance services. Tyler, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Uh, it's been an enlightening one and we appreciate the time and effort. Thanks so much for having me, man. This was great. All right. We'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo, Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, The Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at freelancetofounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit freelancetofounder.com or search Freelance to Founder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder.